have probably heard of Dr. Albert Morabian. Um, he did a research at the UCLA and finding out what factors influence the perception of our spoken message. His research revealed, and it actually has been repeated in current research, 7% of an audience perception of our message is determined by our words. So what words am I choosing? Am I using words that no one can understand neurocognition and, and perception of neuropsychology? Uh, or am I using words that are simple and plain that people can understand? 38% is our voice. So vocal intonation. You can tell if I'm excited about a topic or bored with it. And then obviously 55% is less for those nonverbals, which right now you're not seeing because this is a podcast. So what we can take away is the importance of our speech and the power of how we deliver. One thing that I think about really between good presenters, very good presenters, exceptional presenters are a couple of things that they do differently. So if you want to present really well um, or you don't, here are some things that people that are just okay, average, are not doing compared to those that are exceptional. So number one, don't take um, it seriously, okay? Doing just improv and not actually improving, not trying to commit to improving. Uh, another one is not attending a presentation training. So not attending or going to a class that's on Prez skills, not actually watching. So a lot of people I know with artificial intelligence, you can record yourself very easily. One application I use is UMU that uses AI. I present on camera. It then gives me feedback immediately. Love it. Super helpful. But if I don't watch what I just recorded and critique it myself, it's not really helpful. So I personally think, hey, look back, actually watch things that you've done. I watch presentations from 15 years ago and I have them on YouTube. Please, I'm super embarrassed. Like, don't go Googling Becky Pluth on YouTube. Uh, just kidding. You're going to do that now. But that that's previous, right? And so I'm constantly trying to improve. And I watch those and I think, oh, I could be so much better. Another thing that they don't do is objective feedback from an expert. Uh, a lot of times people pay me to come in and give feedback. And here's the thing. Some people embrace it and they're like, yes, thank you. And others are like, she's wrong. Like, all right, well, take it or leave it. But if you don't, if you don't get the feedback, number one, from an expert, you can't improve. And number two is if you do get the feedback, but then don't use it, also a problem. And then another challenge is not actually knowing how to practice. What is the best way to go about practicing a presentation because we know we're not going to stand in front of that mirror and be like, ah, A to Z, I have a one hour presentation. Let me present. Hello, everyone. I'm not going to do that in front of a mirror for an hour. And so what are some different ways I can practice certain elements or pieces of that presentation? Now, the thing, the reason it's so important to do these things is because every time you open your mouth, you are publicly speaking. Um, it, it, Lee Iacocca, you know, he was what corporate, he was, let's see, Chrysler. Thank you. I told my brain, go get it. And it did Chrysler. Uh, once said you, you can have brilliant ideas, but if you can't get those ideas across, they don't do anybody any good. And so it's really important that we get it across, but in a way that people can understand. 
Now, some people say, yeah, I only present once or twice, but like I said, every time you open your mouth. So let's look at some different examples. I'm going to give you a couple so that you can just see that you're presenting more often than you think. So of course you have your formal like training and presentations and keynote speeches, coaching, things like that, but also proposals, social functions, regular conversations, a brainstorming session. Uh, maybe you go to counseling and you're talking during that, a sales meeting that you're putting on, you know, even an argument could be considered, you know, like, hey, you are presenting your argument, your case to whoever you might be having a, you know, disagreement with. Maybe just talking with your peers or your spouse, um, maybe even your, your kids. And I just was watching The Voice. And here's the thing. One of the challenges that somebody said to me is like, oh, I'm not always ready and it's not really fair if people call on me in the middle of a meeting and ask me to present something. And it, it like right away, it just made me think of the voice Jordan and Sian um, Fuller, F-U-L-L-E-R. They were on the Australia's um, The Voice. And one of the things like no one told me I was presenting. Well, guess what? Um, Sian was... I believe Jordan's younger sister and Jordan was the one that had the spot and he was getting ready and they're saying hello and all that. And he said, well, you know, actually my sister's a better singer than I am. And they're like, well, do you want to sing tonight on the voice? And she's like, eh. but the thing is she was prepared. She lived and presented and, and sang from a prepared life, not a prepared lesson plan. She went out there. She had, you know, had a lot of different songs on, out on social media. So she was ready. And guess what? Both her brother and her made it on to the next stage. And so that's one thing I just want to encourage you today is always be prepared to present. Because even though you may think of it, oh, I'm just doing um, a recruiting call, you need to be prepared for that call as though this is the interview of a lifetime, right? And make sure that you get your point across well. All right, I'm Becky Pike Pluth. That's it for me. We'll see you next Friday. Listening in, tuning in to the Creative Training Techniques Podcast.